pulls his arrow out from his quiver. From his quiver, he begins to fire. So, let's look at these scriptures. Can you see them? Job 25 verse 2 says, Dominion and awe belong to God. Wow. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. Just stop there for a second. He establishes, listen, dominion and awe belong to God. Power, dominion, and awe. Have you ever been in awe? It belongs to God, but look, he establishes order in the heights of heaven. Now, we know there's disorder on the ground, but we know there's order in the heavens. And because we work to a heavenly pattern, we are working to a pattern that has order. Hey, hello, hello, church, are you there this morning? We're working from a pattern that is, we're working from a kingdom that has order. We're working from a, a kingdom that has a God who's got everything settled in the heavens. Now, your response might help me this morning, so just say yes, let me know you're awake. Because I have to send the ushers to shake you, to wake you. And if the ushers are asleep, I'll go and do it. So in Psalm 119, verse 89, it says, Your word is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. It stands firm in the heavens. Your word is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. So we see dominion and all belongs to God. He established, so there's order. It stands firm, there's firmness. Then in Matthew 6, 9, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why heaven? Because heaven is the order. Heaven is the, the order. The word comes from heaven. Now, each word we read in there, every time we read those scriptures, we see the word heaven is used. In every scripture. And we see Job said there's order set in heaven, in the heights of the heaven. Where Psalm says the word stands firm in the heavens. And Matthew tells us to pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Can you see that? Those three scriptures. Now, in the kingdom prayer, he now connects heaven to the earth. Yes? It's no good just being in the heavens. And now, it needs what's in heaven must now come on the earth. Does that make sense? Because heaven is, from, is the place where everything exists, where everything's created, where everything flows, where everything comes from. Yes? So you as a believer, take that word. When you speak that word, it's a word that's firm, and it's a word that's been settled. In other words, there's no dispute. No one's arguing up there. No, they're not having a debate. All the elders don't sit down and say, did he really mean this? The angels are not arguing. All that, it, it rooted out all that at the beginning. No, one is t no one's arguing, no one's falling out, no one's, there is no theologians up in heaven trying to explain God's own word. It's all fixed. There's complete agreement in the heaven. It's fixed, it's settled, it's not an issue. But down here is where all issues are created. Yes? When God, what God decrees in heaven, the earth has to follow. Hello? 
Because he's not trying to convince himself when he's standing from a firm place. He's standing from a firm place. And when you're in a firm place, it's amazing what kind of arrows you can fire with certainty. You can fire things in certainty when you're in a firm place. You can decree things when you know you're supreme. That must be a cool thing to do, to know that there's no one who can overcome you. Well, that's what he wants us to know. That's what he wants us to know. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. He wants you to know that you're invincible. Why? Because the one who is inside you is invincible. Yes? So, heaven, um, what God decrees in heaven must be decreed on earth. God just doesn't want his power to be known in one realm. He wants his, he wants his magnificence, his, his beauty, his, majest, his majesty to be known in both realms. And he wants, because he's got a purpose for planet earth. Thank God for that. And he wants man to transfer heaven to earth. Man is the agent that transfers, carries heaven to earth. God sent Jesus. Jesus said, one of us needs to go down to earth so all of them can become like us. I'll become the vehicle. I'll become the transfer. I'll become the baton. I will transfer this kingdom into the sons of men so the sons of men can become the sons of God. Hello? I'll say that again. It's so good. I'll go so that we can transfer into the sons of men so the sons of men can become the sons of God. Yes? That's the transfer. It had to come from heaven to earth. Because it's going back to heaven. So in Genesis, Genesis 1, it says, And God blessed them, speaking of Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Which means dominion. Okay? Which means rulership. Where there's dominion, there's rulership. Does that make sense? Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. They will, pursue, uh, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creation that moves on the ground, excuse me, everything that has breath of life in it, I'll give you every green plant for food And it was so. God decreed it and made it happen. I said, God decreed it and made it happen. He just spoke it and made it happen. Now, here's the issue. When Adam and Eve sinned, they did not lose heaven. They lost their kingdom. Before they sinned, they were given a kingdom. Yes, the earth was their kingdom. No sin. It was created beautiful. Amen? So they lost the kingdom, their ability to rule and reign because of sin. You see that? They lost, they lost their kingdom by listening to Satan. They committed high treason, surrendering their rule and authority to another. Can you see that? By abdicating their throne of dominion, they subjected all humans 
and succeeding generations to subjugation as slaves of the enemy. Can you see that? Let me say that again. When Adam and Eve, they didn't, when Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't just they didn't lose heaven, they lost the kingdom of which God put them in charge. Yes? By listening to Satan, they committed high treason, surrendering their rule and authority to him. By abdicating their throne of dominion, they subjugated, so sorry, subjected all humans of succeeding generations to subjugation as slaves of the enemy. The whole world is a slave of the evil one. Because of what happened, they lost the kingdom, friends. They lost the kingdom. The rulers became ruled. They were the rulers. Now they became ruled. The victors became the victims. And the kings became subjects. So what was on the earth, what God created from the heaven and put on the earth, into the, or what he entrusted into Adam and Eve, they lost. They lost the kingdom. So what's the one thing, what is the one thing Jesus came to do? Restore his kingdom. The one thing that was lost was the kingdom. So now he comes down and he gives by making you, make, by making the sons of God, you the sons of God, son, uh, by making the sons of men the sons of God, he then transferred the kingdom back on earth. Yes? Can you see that? If you want to look what dominion looks like, Look at it like this. Go to Jeremiah chapter uh, 1. I've not got it on the board. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10. See today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. That's what dominion looks like. Okay, just imagine the dream center. Just imagine you or us as a company of people. It says here, we've been, today I have appointed you. What does that mean? The, this divine sovereign authority has chosen and commissioned us. He set the task, he set the work, and he set the assignment that must be done by you and me. That's what appointed means. Yesterday, or was it Friday, FIFA appointed Gianni, what's he called, Fiantino, whatever his name is. They've appointed him to be the crook of FIFA, I mean not the crook, I mean the leader of FIFA. He's now been appointed, he's got a work, he's got a task. And his task is now to, put, to make FIFA look good. When his task really should be to put people's belief back in football. Don't make FIFA look good. Bring football back. That's the emphasis. Yeah? Who's bothered about FIFA? People love football. Well, some people do. Women hate it, especially around summertime when the World Cup's on. I see yourself up, girls. We're going all the way to the final this year. I feel it in my spirit. <laughs> Not only did he say a point, where did he point us over? Over nations. Over kingdoms. That means there has been a geographic location set for us as a people. You seen that? God has set a geographic location. That's why God chose us to live in certain places. God set the geographic, the geography should say. Now, though all nations are available, 
You won't be in all nations. God will reveal nations to us. Hello? God will reveal nations to us, but we don't need to touch every nation. We need to touch nations, the ones that God appoints for us. It gives us the strength, the tools, the resources. Amen? Then he says, to uproot. I like this part. This is the part now where the work gets intense and it gets dirty. Are you ready to uproot some stuff this year? Well, let me ask you another question. You won't say yes to this. Are you ready for God and the Holy Spirit and the Son to uproot some stuff in you this year? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to bridge too far now, Pastor. As you begin to uproot some stuff, some stuff will begin to uproot you. That is for sure. And that's why some people say it's easier to sit on your blessed assurance and do nothing and go nowhere. But as you begin to uproot some things, some things will try and uproot you. And that's okay, because that's the battle we're in. We prayed about that this morning in our prayer meeting. By the use of delegated power and authority, you have now been given sovereign permission to pull up all that is detrimental, all that is limiting, all that is containing to the kingdom life of God and to the life trying to be uh, the kingdom life trying to flourish inside of you. You've got the right to uproot it. You can speak ugly to it. Didn't say swear. I said speak ugly to it. Don't befriend it. He's given you not only the right to uproot, but to tear down. Yay, Holy Ghost. I like this. This means to intentionally destroy. Now, some people have this as a gift. Some people just have this ability to destroy everything they touch. That's not what God's talking to us about. Yeah? Some people carry their own bull around with them in the china shop. They own their own bull. So when they drag it through a china shop, you don't have to step in it and, and they break something. You know clumsy people? That's not what God's talking about here. God's given us divine permission to go and uproot and to inflict damage on the enemy's kingdom. I like that. I like that. I was born for that. Yeah? See, I believe by uprooting we can determine the health and life of our city. We can. This is, this is a faith that we all need to come to. We must believe that God is interested in our city. We must believe that. And, and everything in that city. We're not just talking about Piccadilly Gardens. Last time I looked, there's nothing in Piccadilly Gardens. I'm talking about the city. Everything, the, ge the geography, the region. Lancashire. Amen? If you've got a home in this city, then you must take responsibility for it. And then, to say, intentionally uh, destroy, inflict damage on something and someone. That something is, his, is the devil's kingdom. That someone is the devil himself. To destroy means to damage something or someone, to inflict pain on them so badly they can't recover. Yeah? That's what Jesus did. He overcame all the works of the evil one. He can't recover from that. He can't recover. There's no way back. Any theology that you've got that might say, can Satan be saved? No. No. Well, God's loving is merciful. Hey, no. Devil, bad, God, good. He had his chance, blown it. There is no way back for the devil. 
Because you know what? There'll be a revolt up there when I get up there. If he's up there and he's been forgiven, I'm going to war. Step aside, because that sucker caused me a lot of pain. Yeah? I'll get his pitchfork. I know where I'm going to shove it. It's true. It's true. He's caused us misery. Don't feel sorry for him. Then we can overthrow. That means to defeat, move someone from the power. That's what Jesus did. He overthrown all the works of the enemy. Yeah? From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. Or in some translation, it says, violent men have been advancing it. We're not, not talking about jihadists now. Jihadi John. We're talking about Gospel Bill. Yeah? Not only overthrow, to build, to create and develop something. That's my legacy. My legacy or our legacy as a leadership here is to build something for the next generation. Not just build it and leave it to them, build it with them. Build it with them, side by side. So they've got all the protocols, they've got everything we need, so this thing is seamless. No generation struggles. That's what we'll labor for in this house. God will give us that. God will give us that because he sees that's our heart. Amen? So we're going to build, we're going to create, we're going to develop. We're going to build, we're going to create, we're going to develop. You're going to build, you're going to create, you're going to develop. I said you're going to build, create, and develop. There are builders, developers, and creators in this room. There are builders, creators, and developers sat in this room. What am I going to build? Build the kingdom of God. Build a reputation. Ooh. Build consistency. Oh. Build truth. Build reliability in your life. There's loads of things you can build. Well, create what? Create wealth. Create resources. Create some joy. Create some forgiveness. Develop what? Intimacy with the Holy Ghost. Develop relationship with your brothers and sisters. Develop a reputation. There's loads of things. Builders, developers, creators. Hello? And it's not all in me. It's in you. You say that. It's in me. It's in me, Mabel. It's in you. To plant. To plant means to plant seeds and re that restructure and re-engineer. Every time we teach our young children, emerging voices, you, we are replanning, we are re-engineering, we are changing the structure of your mind, your spirit. Yeah, oh, I love this thing. And the next thing is to take dominion over nations and kingdoms, which include, for us, regions, towns, cities, families, education, political, financial, arts, media, religious, technological, scientific domains. Your builders, your developers. Your creators. You belong in those domains. Hello? What do I build? Pathways. Pathways in the spirit. Bridges that God can cross over. People that you think, oh, they're hard to talk to. Take them as a challenge in the spirit. Let God, let God build a bridge into their hearts. How many times have you heard people say, I didn't like you when I first saw you, but now you're all right, aren't you? Yes, I am. I was always all right. It was just your perspective of me. But while I was doing that, I was just being consistent. 
I was developing some rapport. I was developing some consistency so that you could change your mind about me and come to the position where I always was, secure. Yes? So we see this kingdom has potential. We see it as expanse. We see it as depth. We see it as power. Amen? God's, God's original plan for man was for him to be able to grasp and receive and to step into living in his power of the kingdom. Adam, when he was given a kingdom, this is what he was assigned to do, to establish a spirit of sons, but he lost it. He had the ability to do that. So when we look at what we're establishing, we're establishing a family of sons, not just servants. God's given us the ability to establish a spirit, a family of the spirit of sons, not just servants. To establish a kingdom, not just a religious organization or institution. Lord help us, we've got enough of them on the earth. Like we need another one of them, like a hole in the head. God wants his church, not an organization. The church is not, the kingdom is not a religious institution. It is not an organization. No matter how big that organization may become, the church is part of his body. He owns the church. Men own organizations, denominations, institutions. They're all men-driven. Establish a kingdom of kings, not just subjects. We're more than just subjects. We're sons. Sons of the kingdom king. Sons and daughters. You see, our queen, we are a subjects of Her Majesty's government. But in, in our government, in Zion, we're not just subjects, we're sons. We're sons. We establish a commonwealth of citizens, not just a group of religious members. There's a commonwealth here. All the nations. We have a, we have a common wealth. We can all have access to the same wealth. It's common. Establish a relationship with man, not just a religion. Thank God. God came to establish, through his kingdom, he came to reestablish a relationship with man. The sons of men became the sons of God. That materialized through relationship. Amen? He extended his heavenly government to earth. This kingdom has been, has been extended from heaven. His heavenly government has been extended to the earth. God just didn't create it and leave, leave the earth to itself. God is interested in planet earth. Not the aliens. God visits planet earth more times than any aliens ever visited this earth. Right? And there is no Rothwell in heaven. There is, what's the area, what, section? 51. There ain't no 51 in heaven. Okay? There are some weird dudes up there. There are some strange living creatures up there, but they ain't aliens. They're called living, throne room, living, created beings. You think little, what, what's that movie, Paul? Who's seen the movie Paul with the alien? There is no Paul running around the galaxy that God didn't know about. The only Paul he's interested in is the apostle. There are no aliens. Sorry if a, ah, it's a conspiracy. It's a theory, Pastor, you don't know. Settle down, Jimmy. Settle down. Influence, his kingdom came to influence the earth 
from heaven through the church. God came to influence the, uh, the earth through his church. Heaven sits on the church. Hello? Heaven sits on the church. Heaven sits on the church. The heaven is not separated from church. Church is not so earthly. No, heaven is connected to the church because Christ is the head. All you need to do is to be connected with Christ and you're, and you're connected to heaven. Hello? Heaven, close your eyes. Heaven is just one thought away. That's how close you are to heaven. Right there, heaven's there, right in my midst. Thank you, Lord. I see you. Thank you, Lord. I can start making the journey. Heaven's just one thought away. It might be light years away, but just with one thought, I'm there. Wow. Just one thought. This kingdom was given to us to take dominion in every domain, in every nation, in every generation. How many of you believe that? That's why the kingdom is not Western. I didn't say, I didn't say the kingdom isn't a Western. I said the kingdom is not Western. The kingdom's not Asian. The kingdom's not Australasian. It's not Russian. It's not Chinese. It's not Scottish, Irish, Italian, whatever you want to call, whatever you come from. The kingdom is kingdom. Kingdom's just kingdom. It isn't bound by culture. It isn't bound by geography. It fills the whole world. It encompasses all nations. The moment you say the kingdom is this, then we all have to become what that is. If it's your culture, then we have to polarize. That means they only speak your language in that part. No, 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 no. Kingdom is kingdom. So, Matthew 13. Listen to this. Jesus describes seven times what the kingdom is like. Now, if you talk to people and you say, what is the kingdom of God? People struggle. They will do. You can't write it down. Go back. When you try and describe the kingdom to people, many people have many interpretations of what they think the kingdom is. And Jesus himself knew that many people would have many different questions and he would have to explain the kingdom in many, many ways. He would use the industries that were around at that time. So he would use farming. He would use fishing. Yes, he would use military. He would use everything that was around to describe the kingdom. That's why I love music. Music helps me describe the kingdom. Yes, movies. I love movies, not all movies like you, but I love to pick up a line in a movie that helps me describe the kingdom. I see the kingdom through movies. That's my creative side coming out. I watch it and I pick up a line and I can see that the kingdom's just like that. And God gives us all kinds of things to say. I imagine if Jesus was on the earth now, he'd say, hey, in Star Wars, the kingdom's like this. There's a Darth Vader. He's the the ugly one. But there is a rebel force. In other words, we're not rebels in that sense. We're kicking against the evil force. But the force in you is strong. The Holy Ghost in you is strong. There's loads of analogies you can use to emphasize, to communicate to people what the kingdom's like. Like doesn't mean specific. It's like. Yes? It's like when your mother says, perhaps. 
It's not specific. It's not clear. But to a kid, we know that means something different. But when it's like, kind of. So Jesus went through in Matthew 13. He said, the kingdom has intelligence, knowledge, and secrets. Listen, this is what he said. The knowledge, the intelligence, and the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, but not to them. So you have something in this kingdom that your work colleagues do not have. The knowledge has, the kingdom has intelligence, knowledge, and secrets. Yes? The secrets of the knowledge of the kingdom have been given to you. There are secrets, and in those secrets there's knowledge and intelligence. So start acting like you're smart. Start thinking like you've got knowledge. Start thinking like you've got intelligence. Start thinking like you've got wisdom. Because you will never understand the kingdom unless you have intelligence, knowledge, and, and the, the uh, understanding of the secrets. Hello? You'll never understand. You must pursue so that you have, Lord, give me the knowledge of the kingdom. Keep speak, Yes, you have the entrance into the kingdom, but to progress in the kingdom, you need cons- consistent knowledge, wisdom, understanding, which is intelligence. The next thing he says, the kingdom is like a man who sowed his seed. So now he's using farming. Does this make sense? He's using farming. So Jesus is trying to hit this thing from so many different angles. Why? Because by the time I finished in Matthew 13, he's saying, you're going to understand the kingdom. And he was talking to men who already have the kingdom. Whoa. So the kingdom is like a man who sowed his seed in his field. But other wheat tried to pollute and contaminate the ground. So he's using a farming allegory. Yes? Farming. Then he said, the kingdom is like a mustard seed. Now he's talking about seeds. Biology. What you do with seeds when you plant them in the right soil. They grow. But this is the smallest seed, but becomes the biggest. So what you start off of, what you start out as, is not how you finish. But if you put the right seed in the right soil and take care of it, this kingdom can become so big and yet it's just a seed within you. But if you plant your seed right and live in the kingdom, the dynamics in the kingdom, what's inside you has the ability to become so large and become overshadowing and supporting the leaves of the branches will be used for the nations. Right, for the healing of the nations. So say, for instance, you have a seed. As you speak, you can bring healing to nations. Nations that are in England. Yeah? Hence why God says, speak tenderly to the tree. That's our prophetic word. Or one of the prophetic words. Then he said, the kingdom is like yeast. Now, we all know what yeast is like. He says, a little bit of yeast spoils the what? The whole lot. So be careful how much you put in. Yes, but he says here about the seed. It needs working through. It needs continuous kneading, moving. So you need the potter's hands working on your life. The bread, which is the word of God, it needs your hands on it to keep moving, keep shaping it in your own life. Yes, so as God's hands working on you and you're working with God's word, it begins to move in your life and work in your life, form and fashions you so the kingdom can be expressed and can, can rise to its right consistency. Amen? Don't be a hard crust loaf. 
that somebody has to get a knife to get a piece of you. Be a nice, baked, fresh oven loaf. Come on. Some of us are so thick. We need to have a thin sliced bread that tastes like it's thick. Yeah? Because we need depth. Then he says, the kingdom, and all that, ladies, you're getting to this now. The kingdom is like hidden treasure. Where a man found it, he sold everything he had, bought the field, showing that this kingdom is a kingdom of value. This arrow, this arrow kingdom is of great value. The son of God went to the sons of men so the sons of men could become the sons of God. If God could step out of the heavens, it means that we had value. Yes? So, and then he says, the kingdom is like a pearl. Now all the lady says, now I understand it. Now I'm in. It's like the man who found the treasure, the kingdom. The pearl, I should say. The man, he sees the treasure, he finds the pearl. And what does he do? He did the same thing as the man who found the treasure. He went and bought the field. Why? Because it has value, personal value to him. If the kingdom has no personal value to you, then you're finished. Now, let me just be sober for a minute. Many of us love the church more than we love the kingdom. You love the local church, but you have no love for the kingdom. My friends, that is wrong. That's a wrong perspective. That's not good that we love the church. Not wrong that we love the church. But it's not good because it's only one side of the story. Because if we love the kingdom, we know that righteousness, peace and joy and the scepter of God's throne is all about the kingdom. We're not called to have a church life. We're called to have a Christ life. And like I said, it's possible to have Christ, to meet Christ, but not enjoy his church, not embrace his church. It's possible to have Christ in your life, like his church, like the people in there, as long as the social group you deal with is fine with you. But that's not loving the church, that's called loving your social group. Loving the church means I love one another, I prefer one another. I go out my way to serve the body of Christ. Coming to church and finding your social group, though it helps you make an easy transition, you must at some point develop a love for the people beyond your social group. But if we do not have a love for the kingdom, my friend, we have no conscience that people are going to hell. The kingdom is about advancing. Kingdom is all about advancing. This what's inside you must be advanced out there. We must have a conscience that people are going to hell. You work with people who are going to hell. You go to work with people who's got hell living inside them. And then the kingdom is like a net. Like a fisherman who let down his net, collecting baskets of good fish. The kingdom is also like a net, but at the end of the age, God will separate the good fish from the rotten fish. Yes? There's going to be a, a sifting at the end. And lastly, the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house. He possesses new and old treasure in the house. Now, there are various types of allegories used there. Baking, fishing, farming, so on. We know there are many kingdoms in life. We know there are many kingdoms. We know there's a biological kingdom. We know there is a plant and animal kingdom. 
We know there are human kingdoms. Yes, the kingdom of men, as described in Daniel. We knew there was Babylonian kingdom. We knew there was a, a Mede and Persian kingdom, as we read history in the Bible. We knew there was a Greek empire, and we knew there was a Roman empire. We also know, in our own nation, we had the British empire. So we know men build kingdoms. There are various kingdoms throughout the universe. There are various kingdoms. But there's only one kingdom that sits on everything. The one that sits on everything creates the biological life, creates biology, creates every other kind of intelligence, wisdom, and knowledge so that all these other kingdoms can exist. God created everything. So these kingdoms can never rise up and be more powerful than the kingdom that you and I have been given. Zion sits on everything. Read Daniel. You see that the statue, there is a rock that's cut from heaven and sits on all of them and crushes everything. That's called Zion. Zion sits on everything. And you've been brought to that kingdom. Hebrews tells us, you've been brought to this kingdom. Amen? So, in Job 18. Sorry, John. Not Job. John began to be the J. Got an O. I just missed the H and N out. John 18, verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this, I come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone, listen, everyone on this side of the truth listens to me. So he clearly is saying there's a side. There's a line that you must stand. Everyone who stands on this side of the truth listens to me. You can't come to church, listen on a Sunday, and disagree on a Monday. Your opinions and your thoughts cannot be shifting all the time. I'm in today, I'm out tomorrow. You must stand on a side. Even though you don't understand certain things, that's not a reason to keep saying I'm in and I'm out. Because the knowledge of the secrets have been given to us. So in other words, access to those knowledge and those secrets have been given to you through your connection with the Holy Ghost. And in the Word. Amen? So there's no reason why you can't increase. No reason. But you must stand on a side. And then he says this. Everyone who stands on the side listens to me. What Jesus was saying that is, look, my kingdom is not of this world. But my kingdom will influence your kingdom. And my kingdom will influence your world. Yeah? In fact, my kingdom, anybody who lives in my kingdom will not be subject to the patterns of your world. That's what he's saying. There's a side and there's a dimension. There's a secret. There's a knowledge. There's a wisdom on this side that is not made available on that side. That's what he's saying. There's a side. So, in Matthew 6.33, you all know this verse. He said, but seek first. What did he say? First. First means above all other things. He didn't say just seek the kingdom. He said, seek first the kingdom. And then what did he say? All and his righteousness, because the, right, the scepter of his throne is right, it's a righteous throne. Yes? Hello? Yes? 
It's a righteous throne. It's not just a kingdom. It's a righteous kingdom. And all these things will be given to you as well. So first, get this side. Make a stance. Enter the kingdom. See the kingdom. Follow the kingdom. Pursue the kingdom. And then all the other stuff that you've been chasing on this side begins to come online when you align your heart. Yes? So, let me describe what a kingdom, a kingdom must have a king. How many of you believe that's true? A kingdom must have a king. So, if, let me give you that scripture. If we are, uh, well, let me just stay here for a minute. A kingdom must have a king. In other words, a kingdom, for it to be a kingdom, must have a territory. Now, when we had our empire, as a Britain, we had territory. Hello? It was called Australia. It was called Canada. It was called parts of Africa, parts of the uh, Indies, parts of India, parts of Trinidad, Tobago, all around the old islands. It was America at one time. Then we give them back. <laughs> all, all, all through a war, obviously. So we had a territory. It must have a territory. How many believe? It must have a territory. So if this kingdom was within you, where's your territory? Where's your territory? So you've got God inside you. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the Jesus. You've got, the, you've got everything from, he, from heaven inside you. But where's your territory? How come a church on Sunday? This ain't your territory. This is ours. This is not your territory. You need a territory. If the kingdom is to be validated within you, you must have a territory, a place where you rule. Start, do you know the best territory to start with? Yourself. Rule your own mind. Rule your own heart. Then it says, we need a constitution. Now, you don't have the right to remain silent. Just like the Americans. Most of them wouldn't know, you know, most of them wouldn't know what to say anyway. So the, the smartest option is to remain silent. But the Bible says even a fool, you know, is a fool just because he remains silent. He's still a fool. It just proves it. Then we need a citizenry, but we've got sonship. We need law. How many of you know the kingdom has laws? Hello? The kingdom has laws. You can't do what you want in it. How many of you know? I know you're like this one. Here's the welcome to the benefit-driven church. The church has, the kingdom has privileges. You know what privileges for me? That I could raise my hands this morning and I could go before my father, his son, the Holy Spirit as a son, accepted, forgiven. I could step right into his presence and he let me go behind the veil. I got a VIP, VIP pass, all accesses. I've got all access area, what's it? All access area. Yeah, whatever it is. That's it, all access areas. Too many walls. I've got a code of ethics. I've got a code of ethics. In other words, righteousness means I have a code of ethics. There's some things I cannot do. Yeah? I have a central communication system. It's called heaven. It's called headquarters. But I also have the software inside me. I have the Calvary software package inside me that en enables me to relate and connect to heaven at any one time. There is no, I, I never get a bad signal. Yeah? It has a diplomatic corps. It has an administrational system. The church's administration system. It has an economy. How many of you know the kingdom has an economy? It has an army. Commonwealth, a social structure, a health program. 
All this is in the kingdom. Aren't you glad you're part of this? Yeah, here's one for you. An education program. Wow. You mean we have to learn? Yes. Because you know the knowledge and the secrets and the wisdom that you've got but they don't have? It's called an education program. That's how you get it. Training. It has a taxation system. What do you mean? Tithe. Hey, not everything in life is free. Everything in here isn't free. Everything in here is not free. You pay for the food. So can you see that this kingdom is much more than you ever thought when you walked in? You know, God's thought this through. God has thought this through. How many of you believe that? And here's another one you won't like. The kingdom, it says here in Matthew 9, 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty, plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in this field. So the kingdom must have workers and it must have a workforce. Oh, I was fine when you, when you left me in church. This is the deployment. God has workers and he needs a workforce. Yes? Isaiah said to me, Isaiah 49 once said, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my birth. He has made mention of my name. He has made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow. This is the kingdom inside him. It was concealed. So he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant. Put your name in there. In whom I will display my splendor. The kingdom inside of you, the kingdom that's in you is God's quiver. It's the, God's arrow, should say, in God's quiver. God's kingdom in you is God's quiver. It's God's arrow. I keep saying it wrong. The kingdom that's inside of you. There's a king and a kingdom inside of you. You put that, that's what's in God's quiver. You're the, the kingdom is his arrow. He can fire it in any nation, across any border, into any camp. There is no limitations. But when you get there, the kingdom must be in you. You can't just go with your thoughts and ideas. You must go with the kingdom. Today, the kingdom of God has advanced. Globally, globally speaking, irrespective of the nation, the nation's culture, its politics, its economic, its, sorry, its economy, irrespective of all those things, the church globally in all those nations, whether the nation's floundering or it's flourishing, we see one commonality within the church in most nations. You know what it is? There is an unemployment issue. There is an epidemic of unemployment in God's house. The majority of the church is unemployed. What do I mean? They haven't got jobs? Yes, but not in the jobs you think. They don't have a work. They don't have a good work. They have a Sunday attendance. They have a church life. Meetingitis. That's what they've got. Meetingitis. And they think they're doing God a favor by meeting. 
And the church is so internal that it's of no relevance to the world. And there's a mass unemployment issue here. We have in the church, and we must address it in this house. I told you last Sunday night, not last Sunday, the Sunday before, it's time to put you back to work. Find you a kingdom work. Now, you have been given a kingdom work. We don't have to look for work. There is a kingdom being given to us, and it has a work. The Holy Spirit will lead us. But if we will open our mouth, you can't be employed. Right now, all we're doing is, can I give you a statement? Me and Phil talked about this last night. Churches do not change nations. Think about that for a minute. Let it go in. Cross-eyed. Churches do not change nations. People change nations. Now, church changes people. The God in the church changes people to go and transform nations. So let's not kid ourselves that us together, we're going to change the nation. But when you get out into your domain, into your neighborhood, into your workplace, you can change those environments. What, little old me? Yeah, little old you. Because... The one that's inside you is not ain't little. Churches don't change nations. People change nations. Church changes people to go and transform nations. Now we all sit there and go, I agree with that, but will you partner with it? Hello? There's a kind of hush all over this place. God's kingdom. God's kingdom in so many generations has been concealed. Do you realize that? There are many, many generations who did not know, did not hear, could not receive what you and I have received today and are receiving today. Do you know that? But God wants to reveal his kingdom. And he wants to reveal it through you. Through you. Listen to me, he says in James 2.5. I'm going to say something now to you, church. Listen, to my, de- listen, to, uh, listen my dear brothers. This is James 2, verse 5. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? He has. And to inherit the kingdom, he promised those who he loved. God's chosen us. So we see we chose. Yes? And James 2, verse 17 says, In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. Just like the arrow needs the quiver, faith needs a work. Amen? It's dead, he says. If it's not accompanied by action, action, your Sunday faith is no good if you don't have a work and action. It's dead. Did, did. But someone will say, well, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. So I have evidence. Many of us only have a Sunday attendance as our only evidence. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that. So there is, there are, at least there is some unity up there somewhere. And shudder, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? 
Now, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you took your faith to work? Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, da-da-da, right to Friday. When was the last time you took your faith into work? It says, you've just read, that you must combine faith with a work. How many of us have work? How many of us have a workplace? Right? So, okay, I'm talking to a percentage of people right now who have a work. When was the last time you took your faith to work with you? If you must combine your work, if, God, if your work is your field, it's your field. If, we're gonna, if God's going to put seeds and treasure in fields, God has put you as the treasure and the seed in your area of expertise. So you have a field. So when was the last time? So that's your work. Everyone, everyone can see that you, that's your work. That's what the guy pays you for. Right. So what about taking your faith to work? Combining your work with your faith. When else do you think you're going to find another work outside of your work? Hello? Many of us don't see where we work as our work and the place to combine our faith. Your work and your faith must go together. You don't just go to work. You go to work with your faith. Hello? Your faith must be in your work. Oh, I know this is a revelation that's just going, oh, I've never seen it like that before. So what do we do if we haven't got a work? Have you got a neighborhood? Right. Have you got a family? Yes. Do you know people? Yes. If you haven't, go and rent some friends. When was the last time you took your faith and combined it with something else? Oh, it's wonderful in here. It's wonderful in here. It's safe in here. I don't know. I'm looking around. I think it's pretty safe. We don't need saving. I'm saved. Some of us are not all sane, but we're all saved. Right? But the issue is this. When outside of here, you need to take your faith to work. Lord, how do I perfect my faith in my work? Show me, Holy Ghost. Show me how to perfect my faith. God, you're using the environment to work on me, just as I need to use the environment to work on others. So if God's using the work, your faith needs to be in your work, because your bosses and your people will come at you, so they're working on you. So as you respond, then you are working on them. So faith must be combined with your work. Stop going to work with your natural abilities and start taking your faith into work. Start there. Because many of you work long hours and you don't have a lot of time to go and do other works. But the work is your work. And to those who don't have that work, you've got a bit more time. But God wants to give you a work because he talks in the Bible about people who are idle. Because idle, idle people become gossipers. This kingdom must have its expression. Hello? Many of you have got more time than you can poke a stick at. Daytime TV. Brain dead TV. Dear me. 
Do yourself a favor, buy a gun and go and shoot the telly. The issue is this. You must go to work. You must find a work, whether physical work or your father. Well, it's still the father's work. But if you can't be employed, you've retired, you've got, all, you've got no reason. If you don't work and your husband works, blessed, and, you, and he earns a salary that keeps you, fantastic. But find something to do. Well, I do housework. Yeah, that's only one part. Hello? So, finished. Last scripture for you. I did have qualities. I've got a lot more still. God, how many of you believe God, in Matthew 13, 51, you read it before, have you understood, it says this, there is new treasure in an old field. And this caught me yesterday. There's new treasure in an old field. The dream center is an old field. It's been around longer than me. Others found the field and they built and labored in the field. They are considered as the old treasure. Still valuable. Still worth it. But there's new treasure God's bringing out of this field. Hello? Some of you have been old treasure and been happy to become old treasure, but it's about time God brought some new treasure out of you. You've been old treasure for a long time. Now, old treasure's good. It's still worth, it's worth a lot. You're valuable to God. Some of the, I'm talking to some of our older people now who have been in this church a long time. I'm just challenging you. I'm not saying you're not doing this. I'm challenging you. And those who have been here over three years, You've been in this church over three years. You are old treasure, valuable, precious. But it's about time we saw some new treasure. The Father wants to break. Some of you have been in companies for many, many years. And you've been old treasure going in there. You've been faithful. You're good in there. You, you know, you've got a good standard, a good reputation. But it's time you let the Holy Spirit bring some new treasure out of an old field. Hello? Some old treasure. The treasure's in you. The treasure's in you. But you have to dig it. God has to dig a little deeper and you have to let, you have to work with him. Combine your faith with the work and you'll be surprised what treasure comes out. You know, when me and this man went to Australia, was it four years, five years now? I can't remember. The one thing God, God prophetically spoke to me, said, I'm going to give you a treasure trove. And we brought it back. It was a spiritual dimension that we brought back. We didn't fully understand it, but we knew there was something in our hearts that we knew we were carrying back from our visit to Australia when we went. Now, out of that came so many treasures. But I felt a stirring of God to say, go a little bit deeper. There's more treasure in that box you've not yet discovered. Now, I don't want what I got out of there to be old treasure only. God said he gave me a treasure. He didn't say how much was in there. That's for me to discover. That's for me to dig. It's for me to keep looking. Lord, reveal to me something. That, and when I think, just the way I think that I've got to the bottom, there's a bit more. Some of us have become settled on the old treasure and call it faithful. But when you look at what you've been faithful to, not a lot's been produced. Come on, be honest with yourself. But it's time the kingdom had some new treasure. Can you see this? To get new treasure means you have to do something different. Yeah? 
God will bring new treasures to this house. But here's the frightening thing. And with this, I promise you, we're gone. I'm going to show you something now that's going to freak you out. Matthew 13, 19. I have spoke about the kingdom all morning. This shook me this, this week as I read this. And I thought, whoa. Let me read it to you. Don't look at it. Let me read it to you. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his, her heart. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, and does nothing about what they don't understand. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. I don't need understanding of the kingdom if I have no desire to grow and go in with what I know. You don't need understanding if you don't want to go with this message. But if you want to grow and go with what you know, then you need understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. So this morning, you have all heard the message of the kingdom. But if you don't do anything with what, about what you don't understand, the enemy will come and snatch away what has been sown. Understanding, not understanding, is not the reason for doing nothing. This really shook me this week. So every time I hear and I don't understand, if I just dismiss, then what, was, what God was trying to sow into my life, the enemy comes and steals. But if I work with something a little bit more and stay with it a little bit more, then guess what? God will reveal the secrets and the knowledge and the intelligence of the kingdom that I need to progress. Wow. So the issue is, have you heard the message of the kingdom this morning? Yes? Have you understood? But he says this, have you understood all these things? Jesus had said, asked, yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out the storeroom and new treasures as well as old. The only way your new treasure will ever come out is when you do something with the message of the kingdom. And there I finish. If you do nothing with this, friends, don't expect any new treasure. You can be like your genie, go and polish your lamp. But God is not going to appear. Hello? There is more treasure to be discovered. There is more treasure. Let's stand to our feet, folks. There's more treasure to be discovered. When you're young like Paige... She doesn't know what treasure's inside her. So she needs someone like David and Veronica to keep telling her what's inside her. Hello, are you with me? She doesn't understand it, but as she gets older, she begins to see some of the things that they said to them. This is how the kingdom works. So through the ministry of the word, David and Veronica example, I'm using them as an example because they're in my eye line. It's the worst thing about sitting on the front, guys. <laughs> they begin... He's think, David's thinking about something. He's searching in his mind. The preacher speaks, and he goes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Because he's searching, God gives him answers. 
Every time he's searching, it's all right having a question. It's all right not understanding. But as long as he's searching, God will keep answering him and give him an understanding. Why? So he can develop and progress in the kingdom. And as he develops and progresses in the kingdom, he can share that with Paige. So then Paige begins to get a better understanding of who she is and why she thinks the way she thinks and why she acts the way she acts. Because we need understanding. But as other men keep forcefully advancing in the kingdom, that is passed on and on and on. But it's all, it's all dependent upon you searching. It's all, all dependent. Now, if David and Veronica tell her and she does nothing with it, the chances are the enemy comes and snatches what they sown. It's the same in you. So that's why we go around an endless cycle of problems. Because we did nothing with what we were taught. I don't understand what that preacher's saying, so I'll do nothing. Oi, vey. Let's just raise up our hands this morning. I hope you're being stirred this morning in your heart. My desire is to put you to work. My father's desire is to put us to work. To employ us. To tell us we're not unemployed. There is a kingdom work for us. And it doesn't take place on a Sunday. My work takes place on a Sunday. My work takes place on a Sunday as well as other days. I empower you to go out and become salt and light. Your work, yours, this is a rest day for you. This is fellowship day for you. But for me, I'm laboring. So that when you go out in the field, combine your faith with your work. I really want you to get hold of that this week. Combine your faith with your work. Take your faith to work. And let your work go to work on your faith. Oh, Rasababa Korianda. Shidara Mama Sorianda. The line of the song we sang this morning sums it up beautifully. Consecrate yourself to me. For tomorrow, I will do amazing things. It's no use singing, Lord. Will you do it again and not see you as the answer? To do it again means, do it in me, Lord. Do it through me. I want to go with what I know. I want to grow. I want to know I want, so I can grow. And I want to go with what I know. So right now, consecrate yourself, church. Because your good father, he was pleased to give you his kingdom. He was pleased to give you his kingdom. Oh, Rasababa Korianda. Marababa Sidianda Rababa Karianda. Shitoromo Sitarayanda Rababa Karianda. Rambababa Kiriandorobo Shidiende. Father, we come as an army of people. But yet we come as individuals. And we ask you, Father. We consecrate ourselves, O oh God. We say, Lord, our faith is useless without a work. So put us to work, Lord. Put us to work. Holy Ghost, put us to work. Even tomorrow, God, I'm going to get up and take my faith to work. Faith, you're coming to work. From now on, faith, you will be coming every day with me to work. I will not leave my faith at home. I'm taking my faith to work. I'm asking the Holy Ghost to show me, work on this faith. So my faith can work on others. 
will use my work to build my faith so my faith can build on my work. Don't let the enemy snatch away this message this morning. Don't let the enemy snatch away this message. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Consecrate yourself, church. Consecrate yourself and say, Father, I'm going to be your vessel. I'm going to be your vessel. I'm going to be your vessel. I will be your vessel. I will be your vessel. Shikara Baba Sarianda. I hope this message awakens you. I hope it stirs you. I hope it empowers you. I hope it enlightens and educates you to understand that everything, God's got an expectation of us. I'm not going to give the enemy an opportunity to steal what God's trying to sow. There's a treasure yet to come out of you. Many of you have been polishing your treasure chest for a long, long time. And God says, hey, there's more treasure in that field, son. It's not enough to be in church 20 years, 30 years and celebrate the old treasure. When you hear the kingdom message and you receive it and you let it awaken you and stir you, it's so that he can bring fresh treasure. It's like the owner of a house. He discovers there's more in the house than his first viewing. Take another view of the kingdom this morning. This is not an empty house. This is a full house. Your father's pleased. He's brought you into his house. <coughs> Consecrate yourself before me, says the Lord. And I'll do amazing things. Your workplace needs a revival. Your neighborhood needs a revival. Your family needs a a revival. And guess what? You are the revival. You are the revival right now. God's seed in you. He's going to use no other. He's using you. Stop looking for others. Stop looking to others. Show some initiative. Get off your blessed assurance and set your faith to work so that your work can produce faith in you. Amen? And the Lord's people said? Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation. Lord bless you. Have a good week. Let's put the chairs away when we're ready and cafe's open next door. Lord bless you all.